Hello to you and welcome to the Adam Coombs podcast. This podcast series will cover subjects of the mind, body and being in a chatty, conversational and relatable way. I'm counsellor and solution-focused therapist Adam Coombs. This episode will be focusing on the sensitive and challenging subject of depression. It is entitled Depression and I. Hey there, welcome back. I hope you're doing very well indeed. Today's episode is a little bit of a deep one and it's on depression. The reason that I'm covering this is is twofold really, is that firstly it's something that I've had very deep, long and personal experience with myself and it's something that I'm quite comfortable with actually. I've learnt not to live my life battling with depression but I found a way of making a friend out of it and I wanted to share an insight with you today about that and it's something that I'm very pleased and grateful for in many ways that I've I've had and, and got. That makes me very fortunate in a way, doesn't it? Because as we go on to now, depression can engulf people's lives so far to the point where people take their own lives. In England and Wales alone in 2019, there was 5,691 recorded suicides. Across the world, there was 800,000. That is such a significant amount. And seeming that the vast, vast majority of people that take their life by suicide are depressed and the cause of death may be something quite clinical on the death certificate, the real cause is depression. It's easy to look at suicide as a different kind of statistic, but it's not. Sadly, deaths are on the rise by way of suicide. Strangely, in the UK, the ratio of men killing themselves to women is 3 to 1, yet twice as many women report experiencing depression themselves. But of course, boys don't cry, do they? Unless they've got man flu. This isn't just a statistic focused on the rate of male deaths by suicide. Worryingly, for females in the age range of 10 to 24 years old, the rate since 2012 to 2019 has increased by 94%. In the UK, they went from 81 deaths to 159 deaths, showing a stark rise in a short amount of time. Furthermore, the rate of suicide is only recorded in the form of people who have actually died by it. However, it's estimated that in the world between 10 and 20 million people a year attempt suicide. And so when I talk about depression being a cause of suicide and ensuring that these statistics are not ignored when we're talking about treating depression, there's also other trigger points that people will sometimes consider in the cause of suicide. And that can be such things as financial ruin, relationship breakdowns, shame or loneliness. Things like that that can cause a trauma to the brain. And within that trauma, depression has an opportunity to grow. Now, I appreciate that I've started previous podcasts maybe a little bit more slapstick than this. And it's always my aim to make this entertaining and as engaging as possible. However, these statistics that I've brought out to you, they're, they're undeniable. So many lives are ruined as a result of depression. And that's just focusing on the deaths themselves. Not everyone that's depressed will be suicidal. In fact, the suffering in depression is so far and wide. It presents in so many different ways. Depression can last a day, a week, a month, several years. You may present to the world as a happy person when in fact on the inside you feel hopeless. The joy you display on the outside you don't feel connected to within yourself. A common symptom of depression is something called anhedonia, which is the inability to feel pleasure in normal pleasurable experiences for you. And depending on your personality type, you may become a little bit of a pro in letting everyone else know in the world that you're feeling absolutely fine, that you're having a great day, that you're feeling absolutely marvellous, when in fact, there's nothing on the inside that feels that at all. 
And so before I continue, it's important to point out that there's lots and lots of reasons for depression in the first place. It's not all to do with experience. It can be chemical imbalances, it can be hormones, all kinds of areas. In fact, it's one of the surprising factors uh, of a steroid project that I worked on with uh, men of all ages where he found that their testosterone levels are quite low, which contributed towards them feeling depressed. The last point I wish to make before I continue is that I'm not for or against medication for depression. When I share my experience, it will be just my experience and because things did or didn't work for me, doesn't mean it'll be the same for you. Depression and I. I don't know how long that I've lived with depression. I don't remember the first time that I was depressed. It wasn't a defining moment, but I know it's been around for most of my life. For me, it's a phase that I go in and out of. Sometimes once a year, sometimes twice a year. Sometimes it lasts six months at a time, sometimes it lasts only a few days. It goes up and down on a scale as well. For me, I've always felt like having depression was like having asthma of the mind. Like I know it's always there and that sometimes certain conditions will mean it gets worse than others. A certain exertion or inexertion of myself in a situation can invite it through the door. It can creep up on me or it can hit me like a baseball bat. I always feel its presence. It doesn't just live within my head, I feel it living within my body. I feel it in my chest a lot of the time and my stomach also. There are lots of things that I could attribute the depression to and there's, and there's circumstances and traumas and upsets that I've been through in my life but it's not necessarily just one thing. It's just a sense of being. It's come out in all sorts of ways as well. When I've been depressed in the past, I've found myself drinking more than I should have been. At times, I'd take part in activities that are probably more harmful for me than good. And it comes out as a real desperation at times also. In the past, I'd become quite impulsive or erratic in my behaviour. I'd find myself chasing extremes because it would be the only thing that could possibly match how I was feeling. And I'd be trying to balance that against feeling so bloody awful all the time. Because you see, my depression is also linked to anxiety. They go hand in hand quite well. So at times when I feel vulnerable, I sometimes feel too excruciatingly scared to do anything about it in case the situation I move into is more dangerous than the one I'm in now. They're like the two crap superheroes you never want to turn up when something's going wrong. It's also linked to having com complex PTSD, which of course plays quite well with the triggers in that as well. The reason that I'm doing this today and sharing this with you is because, as I said earlier, I'm actually very comfortable with my depression. I've not only learned to live with it, but also to make a friend out of it as well. I've struggled in all sorts of ways, and I feel that one of the aggravating factors or one of the driving factors within my depression has been ego-led. It doesn't mean as in having a big ego, it means the, the version of myself that I try and put out to the world, often to be liked. I felt a real need and desire to do that, and to, in doing so, I normally sacrifice parts of myself to fit in or to, to be accepted in some way, shape or form. I find it really interesting as well. One of the other normal symptoms of depression is to almost like overanalyze your brain, which as, as a therapist has been an absolute blessing. And this is one of the many reasons that I'm actually very really grateful to have had depression because it's given me so much as well as taken so much from me as well. I think the thing that will hit me later on in life when I'm running out of time is that it took away my opportunity to do things. It sometimes felt too heavy to get up off the sofa or get out of bed that I wouldn't go to things, I wouldn't go to events, I wouldn't see friends, I'd make excuses all the time. I'd miss out on moments that others would refer to quite happily. That was the anxiety and the depression holding hands, making sure I'm definitely not going anywhere. It's come out in all environments as well. It's come out in my family life, in relationships, in work life. 
And the thing is with depression is that if you do nothing about it at all, it just gets worse. Time isn't really a great healer with depression. You have to be doing something with it. Some of the things I tried in the past was medication. It just so happened that medication, for me, it wasn't enough to be treating the situations I liked for it to do. My perspective for medication for me, and not for you or for anybody else, is that medication is great and it will take away some of the symptoms of depression, but it won't help me deal with it. It's just a maintenance thing to have kept me going and keeping me above above zero all the time, which, in fact, is entirely necessary. And there's been at least two or three occasions in my life where I've probably needed to be on medication because if I wasn't being maintained, it would have been a completely different story and I probably wouldn't have been doing this podcast now. It gets really scary when it gets like that, to be contemplating how much pain that you're feeling within yourself, which wasn't put there by anybody. Nobody puts depression into you. It's just in there. And it feels so burdensome, both within me and to the rest of the world. I knew and felt that it was a very selfish thing to have. Because this battle of the ego that I was talking about, it's the main contention point that I had to overcome. Because I'm a very systems-based kind of person. If there's a certain system or a pattern going on, I like to analyse it a little bit, work out why it is like it is. And if it's a negative pattern or a negative system, I try and work my way around it, or at least try and understand it enough to be able to work through it. The realisation point for me was that I couldn't heal on the outside. There is nothing that I could do to be liked by everybody. There was nothing that I could buy, and there's nothing that I could really seek out externally to me that was ever going to change how I felt. Materialism will never ever cure depression. We cannot gain lasting fulfilment through materialistic items. They only provide novelty. Sure, it's great to go shopping when you're feeling down, giving yourself a little bit of retail therapy when you're allowed. But that cures the day or it cures the moment. And then what's the next day and the next day and the next day? For as long as there are millionaires and billionaires dying by way of suicide, it goes to highlight that it's not about what you've got on the outside that count. It's about who you've got. And that who must be yourself. Nobody puts depression into you and nobody can take it away. It's on you to connect with yourself, to start realising your qualities and your resources available and start working your own way out of it. That is what it took for me, for me to start realising that this depression wasn't working against me, it was working for me. As someone that was chasing validation all the time, I'd be doing all that I could to adapt, to change and to be someone to somebody. I'd have numerous different characters to change into every single time, just so that the closest people could accept me. Understandably, that got very exhausting. I felt that unless someone was accepting me for who I was, I was failing. The power was entirely in everyone else's hands all the time as to whether I'd be deemed good enough. I'd be doing so much, I'd be going way beyond my boundaries or way beyond what I was comfortable with, just to please others. And this whole supposed journey of discovery within myself, it wasn't about establishing who I was, it was just learning about who I was generally. Nothing needed to change, it just needed to be realised. About identifying my own needs, identifying the power of saying no, and the power of working towards something for myself. In society, selfish can seem like a really dirty, nasty word, but it's entirely necessary. The reason I was getting depressed so much was my body's way of telling me to just stop chasing things all the time and take a break. Shut off from the world, stop being somebody to everybody all the time, and just be someone to myself. The truth is I'm a quite an introverted character. I like being by myself. I feel very comfortable like that. And so running after things all the time was going completely against my nature. It's like I was shouting out, look at me, love me, accept me. And then when someone turns around to look at me, I hide. I didn't know what to do with it. It didn't feel right. I didn't like being looked at. I'm an introvert. That doesn't sit well with me. Stop trying so hard with everybody all the time. 
be a little bit selfish, is what my depression would be telling me. I wouldn't listen. Of course I wouldn't listen. And then when I wouldn't listen, my depression took action. It took control of the situation. It sapped my energy. It sapped my enthusiasm. And I thought I had no choice but to sit there and do exactly as I was told. Sitting indoors, being selfish, ignoring people, being cut off from the world, missing out. And if I was in public, in the form of being in my job or being out with people, and the depression took over, suddenly I became very rude. I cut people off. And that felt very uncomfortable to be in that sort of situation. I didn't feel like I had control. I used to get so frustrated with depression because it was always bigger than me. It would always win. I felt like there was nothing I could do about it. But through not listening to the message, which actually had clear intent to look after me, I always felt when I was going through a depressive spell that I'd lost. I'd been beaten again. There's nothing that I could do about it. It was because of my continual resistance to depression. Every time it was trying to subtly tell me something to take a break or to cut off a little bit, that I'd go all the more. And so when it did take control, I was in a really bad, dark place. It would really punish me and hammer in the messages that I deserved this. My depression was quite a paranoid one and quite pessimistic as well. It would tell me that everyone is trying to take from me when it didn't understand that it was on me because I was giving too much. I wasn't surrounded by bad people. I just had very low boundaries. And I was at a point where I couldn't experience pleasure or enjoyment in things. I couldn't appreciate other people because my anxiety was telling me to be in fear when I've got nothing left to give, only reaffirming the fact that I wasn't good enough. My anxiety taught me to look away from what I had and only look for risk as well. That became very difficult because I became quite void of appreciating what I had. Any sort of pleasure that I sought in life, I couldn't really feel any longer. It all created for quite a dark experience. Once or twice a year, it would sometimes get longer and longer. I take stock sometimes and feel like I'm in some sort of dissociative position where I refer to depression as it, as if it isn't me, as if my thoughts aren't the sum of me, of which they are. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it started, but I learned this. Depression is really powerful. It will never go away. And I once got offered to have it taken away by an energy healer, to which I refused. Bearing in mind that my thoughts are the sum of me, my depression is part of me as well. I'm very grateful for it. The messages it was given me at the time, the ones that I was ignoring, were things I needed to hear. I had a very unhealthy mind and depression was there trying to salvage something for me. After several months of therapy and dismantling this version of life that I had, I was left with this huge void of going, well, what does this mean for me? It felt very strange to focus on me for a change and not what everyone else wanted. Obviously, you won't think that now listening to me bang on this podcast. When I'd sit there in a therapy room sometimes, in that silence, it would feel so weird. This was meant to be my time to reflect on my thoughts, my feelings, my needs, my wants. And when I stripped it all back and stopped worrying what everyone else thought and stopped considering the life that I was meant to be living for everybody else, I felt very empty. That emptiness was so necessary to take my next steps. If you're stuck with something for the rest of your life, why would you want to battle with it? Why would you not want to just listen? Maybe make a friend out of it. When I have signs of depression coming along now, I really start to listen to it. I try and work out what it's actually trying to tell me and what's going on for me right there and then. I have the luxury of being able to clear my schedule occasionally or just be able to get through with what I've committed to and give myself a lot more time and wellness. I do a lot more things that I enjoy now as well. I really connected with what Jim Carrey had to say about depression. He's an actor I used to love when I was a child. His endless energy to please was just so relevant to me. However, I was a screaming introvert and didn't have that availability to me. But he refers to depression as a deep rest. Your body needs rest. It needs to be depressed. It needs deep rest from the character that you've been trying to play. 
says depression is your body's way of saying screw you i don't want to be this character anymore i don't want to hold up this avatar that you've created in the world it's too much for me that's really what my body was telling me all along that's what depression was telling me i was trying so hard i didn't need to be sometimes i really just need to be nobody to no one and it feels so liberating and amazing to be in fact my periods of depression now when they come on I sort of selfishly enjoy them in a way. I just shut myself away and do what feels right. I put on comfy clothes, I sit there, I relax, I take the pressure off myself and I give myself a few days. It feels absolutely wonderful and it's so entirely necessary. Because this is the thing, isn't it? That when you feel unwell, you're always advised to listen to your body, look after yourself, take some rest. When you do all these things when you've got cold or flu, you get over them a lot quicker. It's because your body's been listened to, its needs are being met. And it's the same with the mind. If you listen to what your mind is telling you, what your body is screaming out for, what your ego or what your personality just requires, then if you give it what it needs, you start to feel better again. Gradually, bit by bit, as you start to feel a little bit stronger, you go out for walks, you get a little bit fitter, you're eating healthier food, try and get your sleep pattern into rhythm and reintegrating with the people that are in your life once more. All of these things contribute towards you feeling happier and healthier. Your depression will look different to mine, it will feel different, your needs will be different to mine. But the fact is you'll still have needs, they'll still need to be met. And when you start meeting them at an earlier stage, as opposed to battling them, then you take a little bit of control back. You're no longer engaging in something you feel you're going to lose. The endless hopeless battle that eventually has the same outcome regardless. Listen to it, it's trying to tell you something. We don't need to be so taboo about having mental health issues any longer. It's 2021, how many years has this got to go on for before one of the leading causes of death for men under the age of 45 in the UK is normalised. It's okay to reach out for help. It's also okay to have a plan when you're feeling depressed. Let your loved ones know, this is actually what I feel and this is what I want to do when I feel like this. If you give me that space and you give me that environment to be depressed, then I'm going to probably come out of this a lot quicker than if I'm having to constantly maintain and keep on going all the time. The longer you keep struggling on, the harder it will get. You need to stop. You need to let it catch up and you need to stop fighting it. Give yourself permission. It's the kindest thing you can do for yourself. The next is to talk. Talk to someone, anyone. If you can't afford a therapist and you still need to speak to someone that's a complete stranger, call the Samaritans, 116-123. Maintain an order, a routine. Just do simple little things. However difficult it is to get out of bed, get up and have a bath or a shower. It's the first and biggest step you can take sometimes when you're struggling, but it needs to start in the morning when you wake up. You don't have to continue the rest of your day, you just have to do that. There's no expectation here, just get up and do that and you've already achieved so much already. Lastly, identify a purpose. Find a meaning to your day, find a purpose to be doing something, anything, however small it is, just do it. The feeling of hopelessness is when there's no purpose left to live. You can create that purpose at any time. Someone out there will miss you if you're no longer there. You are not weak, you are not failing, you are one in five people in the UK. Thank you for listening. This has been the Adam Coombs podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, then please click subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Otherwise, I'm available on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. If you look for Adam at Dynamic Therapy Club or Dynamic Therapy Club, I'll be on there. The music on this podcast was brought to you by Dragonov89 at Pixabay. Until next time, take care of yourselves and goodbye.